Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, May 15th, 2023. We're just coasting on through this MLB season. I've got Luke here with me today. What's up? I, I'm done with finals, so there's absolutely nothing holding me back from this being an amazing episode. I All, all the weight's off my shoulders now. Yeah, we met up today. Got a little thing in the works. You, you know, you'll see it soon. Make sure you're following on all the socials, and you'll definitely see maybe some of the progress. So, of course, MLB recap. How would we go without it? I'll hit you with the MLB team of the week. We actually have a decent amount of NFL news coming out with the schedule release tonight as we're recording. We're recording a little bit early, so we're going to miss the official schedule release at 8, but tons of games being talked about throughout the day, um, as well as Champions League Leg 1 recap, and then we're also going to preview Leg 2 next week. We've got the Premier League this weekend, and then we're going to round it out with our first sports-centric Top three, bottom three with MLB jerseys. Luke, you ready for this one? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's get into this MLB recap. We'll start it off as always. What games have you liked this week? Ah, man. I, I don't I don't necessarily have a lot of games. It's more just kind of, kind of like single moments for me this okay. time. Let's um, lay them out. Well, I, actually, you know what? No, I do have a game. We'll go game first. So, obviously, the Yankees swept the A's. Hopefully, you know, my team can build a little bit of momentum out of that. Uh, but out of the Wednesday game, so yesterday as we're recording this today on Thursday, Anthony Volpe hit his first career Grand Slam. And they're already talking about Grayson, how he uh, he hit his faster than Jeter's. So, uh, man. That's because Jeter was washed. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Jeter hit his at like 150 at-bats, and Volpe obviously has done that, you know, way sooner. Um, and I honestly, like, I'm starting to get tired of this comparison. I love the Volpe hype. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's our new shortstop. Shortstop is, you know, a big deal in the MLB. It's a it's a very, you know, big position, I guess. And, uh, of course, like I said, I love the Volpe hype, but I hate the Jeter comparisons, man. It's just, it's all I've been hearing. Yeah, I think it's an unfair thing to do to him at this point. And I know like everybody loves to compare the young guy to a different guy that, you know, played in the organization or, you know, whatever, but it's unfair. Jeter is one of the best in in Yankees history and it's a very hard comparison to do. Like I think it happens with just about every franchise that has like some some real legends at a certain position. When a guy comes up and, you know, they're both like solid defender arguably for Jeter, but, you know, I'm not going to go into that today. You know, solid offense as well. Like, they're going to get compared, and I just think that it's so unfair to him to say, like, oh, he's the next Jeter. Because, like, no, Anthony Volpe is himself. They play a different kind of game. Exactly. Um, and it's also, you know, he's just a kid, man. Like, that that – alone and especially with um with Volpe being a New York uh Yankee fan growing up you know that honestly has to be like crushing weight to bear at some point yeah for sure like it, it makes it so difficult to feel like you've amounted to anything if even if you think you're playing well if the media is being like well he's not doing this that Jeter did like it, it's such bullshit yeah, uh, such bullshit there. Um, Let me stay on the topic, though, of prospects. Because yeah. the Reds' top prospect, Ellie De La Cruz, who hasn't yet seen the majors, had quite the night for the AAA Louisville Bats. He had an exit velocity of 118.8 for a 320-foot double. 
an exit velo of 116.6 for a 456-foot home run and an exit velo of, of 117.1 miles per hour for 428-foot home run in one game. Oh my God. Who's this guy? Ellie De La Cruz. He's the Reds' top prospect. And a little more about this performance. No MLB team has ever had three 116-plus mile-per-hour hits in a single game. De La Cruz did it all by himself. And his 118.8 miles per hour uh, exit velocity is the hardest hit ball in AAA and the majors this year. Dang. That's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. And Ellie De La Cruz is crazy good. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't seen him yet for the Reds. I was about to say, from, from all this talk, it sounds like he should be getting that phone call pretty soon. <laughs> I hope so, man. Yeah, or maybe should have already had it. But, uh, okay, back to me now. Uh, let's see. Um, Orioles taking the series against the Rays. Kind of small, but it was an entertaining series to kind of follow and watch. And, I don't know, it's cool to see the second-place team beating the team in first that's kind of just running away with it. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I think that series was kind of interesting to watch because, I, you know, I think this is the second time this season that the Rays have lost a series. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And even to look at the broader picture, you know, we were kind of taking the Orioles as our dark horse team, you know, with how they made that run at the end of last season and, you know, almost had a chance to play in a wild card for first time in what feels like forever. Um, they're definitely not a joke anymore. And they've kind of been, I think, out, uh, kind of outshined by what the Rays are doing. But the Orioles are one of the most impressive teams in all of baseball to take where they were last season. I kind of thought this season would be also a little bit of a, a rebuild season, but the Orioles are absolutely flying and they're completely like, and utterly a force to be reckoned with. Oh yeah, for sure. And speaking of forces to be reckoned with Clayton Kershaw is just somehow still racking them up. He's leading the major leagues in wins or sorry, the national league in wins with six wins already this season, eight to one win over the Brewers. Like, it is insane to see Clayton Kershaw playing at this level at this point in his career. He had seven innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, no walks, eight strikeouts. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing to watch. Someone from our childhood that is still performing at this level, it's just so cool. And it's Clayton Kershaw. Everybody likes Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I feel like nobody has a reason to hate him unless you are an NL West batter. Exactly. Um. I know, I, I man, Grayson, I just want to talk about it. Can we talk about Kenley Jansen? Yeah, dude, let's do it. 400 Fucking career saves. Awesome. Seventh pitcher to do so. Um, and here, Grayson, I told you at lunch today that I was going to quiz you. Um, okay. Who are the seven player, or no, who are the other six players that he joins? Do you know them? I have a feeling I know maybe all of them, if not. A few. So I'll start off with the obvious ones. Mariano Rivera. Yep. Trevor Hoffman. Right now you're in order. So yeah. Really? Okay. Uh, Billy Wagner. You lost your order, but he is on there. Uh, John Franco. (laughs) Now you're going backwards. Yep. You got another one. (laughs) Lee Smith. Yep. Okay. 
Is Gagne up there? Eric Gagne? No, your first okay. one wrong. Okay. Um, what do I, I have? Five of them, right? Yeah, you have all but one. Shit, I'm trying to think of who this last one is. Um, fuck. Can I get a hint? Do you, Do you know what team he played for? I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up here. This guy is fourth on the list. He has 437. Okay. He played. Uh, this might give it away. And let me tell you some of the teams that he played for. Um, spent most of his time with one team, but he's played for the Mets, Brewers, Orioles, Brewers again, Tigers. Okay. Thinking. Let's see, Mets. Mets in Milwaukee is making me think. Is it Francisco Rodriguez? Good job. Let's fucking go. go. I knew he yep. was an all-star recently, and it was when he was with Milwaukee, I think. Yeah, that was probably in, like, 2015, 14. Yeah, yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, Kenley Jansen joining all those guys. I mean, what what a career. He's been so fun to watch. Yeah, and after the game, everybody was giving out their congratulations. Uh, obviously, he got this save Tuesday night against the team he played for last year with the Atlanta Braves, struck out Travis Darno, a guy who's caught many pitches of his last year, and... After the game, congratulatory video was shown to him in the clubhouse. Uh, it included the likes of Joe Torre, A.J. Ellis, Clayton Kershaw, Ozzie Albies, Russell Martin, Austin Barnes, Eric Gagne, Andrew Jones, Jerickson Profar, Jonathan Scope, Rick Honeycutt, uh, and then as well, Kenley's wife and kids were in the video. It, it Just so cool for him to do it in Atlanta, too. I, I know that he's not like an Atlanta legend or you know, spent most of his time with Atlanta or really even was that good with the Atlanta Braves. But I, I just feel like it was it was cool to see him do it with a former team. And I feel like for a lot of Braves fans is even though Kenley Jansen was kind of hit and miss for the Braves last last season, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of Braves fans idolized him because it was cool to have a legend like that come to Atlanta. So it was really cool for him to break the record in Atlanta, I think. Yeah, it's awesome. And then one other thing he was given after the game was a commemorative bass guitar which is something that he plays in his spare time uh it had 400 on it um and it's just awesome he said afterwards he probably won't play it maybe one time but it's definitely going to go up on the wall i love it i when i've heard that he got a bass guitar i was like fuck yeah <laughs> well, let's keep it let's keep it with relievers because Yenier Cano of the Baltimore Orioles has just continued to be the best reliever in baseball this season, and he's not even really a closer. He's more middle relief for the Orioles with Felix Bautista as their closer. But through his 13 appearances this season, he had 18 innings pitched, only gave up three hits, no earned runs, no walks for a whip of 0.16. Wow. Yeah, that's the lowest whip of any pitcher over any span of 14 appearances with a minimum of 50 outs recorded. What the hell? It, yeah. Whip is your uh, your like swing and miss, right? No, so whip is walks and hitters per innings pitched. So walks and okay. hits allowed per inning pitched. Wow. And if we compare this to last season, he only had 13 appearances last season, and he recorded the same 18 innings pitched, but he gave up 26 hits, 23 earned runs, and 16 walks in his 13 oh, games last no. season. That's brutal. <laughs> so quite uh, a, a turnaround for Yenier Cano. 
For sure. Um, I, I unfortunately though, Grayson, I had more Kinley stuff. Oh, continue. <laughs> so a cool fact out of uh, the Braves, um, the Braves game last night, he pitched ninety eight point seven miles per hour on a fastball. That's the fastest pitch he's thrown since August twenty seventh, two thousand and sixteen. Wow. So at 35 years old, he's he's still kind of got it. And then I had one more quiz for you. So okay. speaking of saves and, you know, all this reliever talk, dang, this is like the reliever special. Um, Out of the top 50, uh, like the top 50 list and career saves, who are the players that are still active? It's only a couple. Is, um, is Aroldis on there? Aroldis is on there. Okay. Uh. Liam Hendricks, is he on there? Liam Hendricks is not on there. Okay, what about Blake Trinan? Nope. All right. Uh, Craig Kimbrell. Okay, Craig Kimbrell has the m- most out of anybody. He actually is three away from 400. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's think. I'm trying to think of some solidified closers. Uh, so, is, is Hader up there? I don't know. He hasn't he been around too long. Okay. I'm gonna try and think um, of one two more. Guy, two guy, one guy isn't a free agent. One guy is a free agent. Oh, he's a free agent. Okay. Yeah, but he's a big free agent. Like I, I know who this guy is. But he's not on a team. Not on a team. Wow. Last season he was with the Rangers. I have no idea. Who's the other one? So give me a hit. Uh, he plays with the Diamondbacks currently. Uh, Joaquin Soria. It isn't Joaquin Soria. This guy oh, uh, got drafted by the Yankees. I I have no idea. I'll be honest. Okay, I'll give you. A, I'll give you a Mark Melancon. Oh, Melanson. Melanson. Sorry. Dang, that he played a... for the Braves. You could have told me that. Really? I would have got it. Yeah, Mark oh, Melanson. Wow. Uh, your free agent was Greg Holland. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think of him guy, playing for the Rangers. Yeah. I would think uh, of him playing for the Royals, probably. Yep. Um, the last guy is Edwin Diaz. He has 205. Yeah, that one makes sense. I didn't yep, think he'd been around long enough. I, I didn't think he had either. But, um, yeah, he's, like, pretty much one of the only guys on this list that's under 30. He's still 29 years old. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. All right, but, is that uh, going to do it for Kenley Jansen? Yes, I'm okay. done with Kenley Jansen now. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk a little bit more pitching because Alec Manoa has been dog shit for the Blue Jays this year since he was quoted as saying, pressure is what you put in tires. He is 1-4, a 5.02 ERA, a 1.56 whip in 46 and two-thirds innings pitched, and as well as that, he had six. He threw sixty-three sliders since he got his last swing and miss on one in the fourth inning on April twenty-eighth. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, he blows. <laughs> At least his team's still playing well. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> yep, very good thing. Um, dude, did you see Joey Gallo's fucking catch a couple days ago? Dude, it was absolutely ridiculous. Oh my god, sliding basket catch and then ends up catching it with his fucking non-glove hand? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And like that when you like, watch it in slow-mo and you watch him with his bare hand tracking under the ball, like moving it back and forth and then catching it. It's crazy. Yeah. 
yeah, like his eyes while he was sliding were just locked on the ball. It was very, very awesome to watch. And in that same game, I have another defensive play. Tatis threw out Carlos Correa with a throw that was clocked at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, and it was a fucking laser. Yes, and another quiz for you. I have a lot of quizzes for you because I know you I'm love glad. these. The, that is the second fastest outfield assist in Padres history. Who's the first? Ooh. Is 2017 t- is when oh, this happened. Oh, wow. Um, 2017 outfielder for the Padres. It is someone that I know. <laughs> okay. Is it Will Myers? Not Will Myers. Okay. And like it, it is like a solidified outfielder? Actually, I don't know. I would uh, like this to know person that. broke the record by 0. .3, though. <laughs> so... Shit, it was dude. very, very close. 2017 Padres were not very good. Um, no, this guy is an outfielder. Okay, does he actively play for the Padres? Uh, no, he actually got moved in the offseason. He was one of the bigger moves for a team that just needs that one umph to get to the playoffs. That's a good one. Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm going to feel so stupid when you tell me this, but I have nothing going through my head right now. Okay, his offseason move was to the Angels. Oh, what the fuck? I'm trying to think of all the Angels now. Is it Hunter Renfro? It is Hunter Renfro. Oh, I, I always forget that he played for the Padres. He's yeah, played he- so many places. He has played so many places. Uh, he's played for the Padres, Rays, Red Sox, Brewers, Angels. Yeah. Already. Yeah, at first I was thinking Brandon Drury, but he only played there last year for like the second half of the season. Yep, but there, there's your, there's the end of my, my okay. defensive uh, segment. <laughs> I like it. Well, I have one more um, pitching thing, and that comes from Justin Verlander. Um, so last night, Got picked up the win against the Reds. He's now recorded a win against all 30 MLB teams in his career. But also, it was his 33rd career start, going at least seven innings pitched while allowing two or fewer hits, which ties Roger Clemens and Randy Johnson for second most starts by a pitcher since the mound was set at its current distance in 1893. Yeah, Ver- Verlander's a freak, dude. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. I, I just like even looking at his twenty twenty three stats, man. Like it, it's like he's he was playing seven years ago. Like nothing yeah. has changed with this guy. <laughs> no, nothing has changed at all. Uh, but I do have a, a fantastic story uh, coming from Giants um, rookie prospect Casey Schmidt. Uh, got made his MLB debut just the other day. His parents Dan and Tina told so many friends and family to come. They took up the back of the plane from San Diego all the way up to San Francisco. And best of all, Casey's 84-year-old grandmother, Sabina, came to the game, and she had not been out of the house for three years. Oh, wow. because of COVID, probably. Yeah, and what she got to witness was her grandson hitting his home, his first career home run in his MLB debut. Oh, what a moment, man. That yeah. makes me smile. That's Absolutely a good fantastic. Yeah. Um, one more home run talk from me, though. Ronald Acuna last night went fucking <laughs> mammo. Placata, if you will. 
Seventh <laughs> home run of the season, 470 feet to get the Braves on the board yesterday. Dude, uh, he's an alien. I, I don't really understand is. this guy. We could talk two hours about Ronald Acuna every week if we yeah. wanted to. Yeah, he's I mean, just insane. He just does so many amazing, unique things. I, I feel like every week it's something else with this kid. Yeah, it, it really is. And he just is racking up the stolen bases. I think he's at 15 now. And not only that, I, a couple days ago, I, I, I can't remember. I think it was the Orioles series. Oh, it was um when whatever Orioles Braves game went into extra innings. Yeah, he, he uh in the extra <laughs> laser. innings is playing playing defense out there. Like he just he does everything, man. He's awesome. Yeah, he's absolutely insane. And right now, according to MLB.com, he's the favorite for NL MVP. Only uh the guy right behind him though, his Braves teammate Sean Murphy. Yeah, that's um the Braves are really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, on on um, Wednesday's show, me and Colin thanked the Athletics for Sean Murphy and Matt Olson. Yeah, it's it's the stat padding. Yeah, they they really they really gave us a bargain. <laughs> they they really did. Um, who's the last Brave to win MVP? Was it, was it like Freddie Chipper Freeman, twenty twenty? Oh, so not even that long ago. Uh, it was a Mickey Mouse, but before then, yes, Who, Chipper Jones. When was that? Uh, the Freddie Freeman one was twenty twenty. But Chipper Jones, I think, was 99. Okay. I think, that's, yeah. I think that's right. Gotcha. Well, I, I'm done with all my MLB. Okay, I got one last bad. thing, uh, and then right. we can get into my team of the week. This one's just an interesting stat that I noticed. Um, the Cubs had a plus 48 run differential as of the other day, which is 102 runs better than the Marlins at 54 or negative 54 run differential. And at the time, the Marlins had a better win loss than the Cubs and were higher ranked in their division. <laughs> wow. I just thought that was absurd. Yeah. That, I mean, baseball is that weird sport, man. You, yeah. you can beat a team with only one hit. Yeah. Or no hits. Exactly. Really. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter how much you're hitting the ball. It's it's if you're scoring or not. It's really cool. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. But let's talk about insanity because a couple of guys on this team of the week were insane last week. We'll start it off in the outfield as always. We're getting started with a Yankee just for Luke and for everybody. Harrison Bader. Holy yeah. shit. He had a week. He comes back from injury and in 22 plate appearances hit two triples Three home runs, 11 RBIs. He walked once, only struck out once, and he's batted 524 for a slugging of 1143 and an OPS of 1688. Too early to say uh, AL MVP? Uh, yes, <laughs> very early. Now, this guy's got, um, he's got underrated power, I think. Yeah, I, I'd agree. He definitely does. Um, I think everybody kind of knew him at first, especially with the Cardinals as just like speedy center fielder. But yeah, the power's there. Obviously, the speed is there with the two triples, but he's just a freak athlete. Yeah, I mean, the home runs also isn't helped by the fact he plays for the Yankees now. So Yeah, that's true. That's uh, definitely another thing. All right, who's your next guy? Next guy in the outfield, Lourdes Gurriel of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He had quite the week, led the league in OPS in the week at 1725, 
batting average at 500. He hit three bombs as well. Only five RBIs. Got himself a double. Walked four times. Um, just a fantastic week for Lourdes Gurriel. Dang. Love it. And then my last guy rounding out the outfield, Anthony Santander of the Baltimore Orioles. Great week for him as well. Four doubles, three homers, nine RBIs. Picked up one walk. Did strike out quite a bit, though, with seven strikeouts. But a 12.47 OPS, uh, I can't turn that down. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the Orioles in this lineup that I just I can't hate, man. I, I like this guy too much. He's yeah. He's got good talent. Yeah, he's solid. And then now we move to the infield at first base. Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, of course, a great week for him. He got picked up 33 plate appearances in this past week, which is kind of crazy. But 11 hits, scored seven runs for himself, three doubles, three home runs, six RBIs. Did strike out 10 times, which is pretty concerning, but the OPS still snuck over 1,000 at 1082. Yeah, it's just a shame that a team with Goldschmidt and uh, Arenado just can't. I mean, they're they're not going to play meaningful baseball later on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. But it's second base, uh, another NL Central opponent. Jonathan India of the Cincinnati Reds had a fantastic week as well. He scored six runs, had eight hits, three doubles, two home runs, five RBIs, only struck out three times, um, just went absolutely crazy. Also picked up two stolen bases. Uh, that's good for on base at 500, a slugging of 1,000, so a perfect even OPS of 1,500. Dang, there you go. And then, let's see, at third base, we have Hanser Alberto. Uh, of the Chicago White Sox, had quite the week for himself for such a struggling team. Five runs scored for himself, nine hits, four doubles, two home runs, eight RBIs. He walked twice at an OPS at 1131. Wow. They need to keep going with him. (laughs) Yeah, much better option than Yohan Moncada. That's yeah, very true. <laughs> and then at shortstop, man, who else? Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays, and like the OPS, like really, he didn't have that great of a week. But for some reason, every week the shortstops just aren't doing it. But Wander Franco still four stolen bases, of course. It's just what he does. Um, he had a home run, three RBIs. He walked twice, hit two doubles. Just a- a- another day at the job for Wander Franco. Yeah, proving proving every day more and more that you know he can flip a ball if he wants to. <laughs> yes, certainly can. Um, at catcher, we have Will Smith of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Definitely a big part of them really heating up in this past week. Seven hits, four runs, two doubles, two home runs, four RBIs. Walked six times. Good for an on base percentage at five sixty five, slugging of nine thirty eight, and an OPS at fifteen oh three. Damn, I love it. And then to round out the hitters, Jorge Soler of the Miami Marlins, the power hitter himself, led the league this week in home runs with four, picked up 10 RBIs as well, did strike out 10 times, but I'll give him a break because of the RBIs. Got himself a double, but 10 hits in total in a week is phenomenal. Good for an OPS at 12-21. This is a guy that you miss in Atlanta, Grayson? Uh, a little, you know, now and then when I watch Marcelo Zuna go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, I definitely miss him. 
but you know, I, I couldn't be happier with what we've got right now. Yeah, I, I don't think I could either if I was a Braves fan. <laughs> All right, well, let's put him on the mound now. Starting pitcher had to take Eduardo Rodriguez. He had a fantastic week. Two games started, two wins. 15 innings pitched, 17 strikeouts, only gave up six hits, had a Ks per nine of 10.2. Um, oh, I just like brain farted, but <laughs> that was cool. Uh, a barrel rate of three. Opposing hitters hitting at a barrel rate of three is crazy good. Uh, a Sierra, which is uh, skill, I, I think it's skill influenced earn run average of three, which is fantastic, and boosted up his war by 0.7 in this past week. Go, go back to Sierra. What Sierra. Sierra? Okay, all right, here I got. I got to make sure I'm I'm doing the right thing here. I think it is. Um, it's skill something. Skill, skill interactive earned run average. So it quantifies a pitcher's performance by trying to eliminate factors that the pitcher can't control, can't control by himself. But unlike a stat such as xFIP, Sierra considers balls in play and adjusts for the type of ball in play. So if a pitcher has like a high expected fielding independent pitching, but also um, induced a high proportion of grounders and pop-ups instead of line drives, his Sierra will be better than his FIP. Interesting. I know that was just like a bunch of random shit, but there's not a great way to explain what Sierra does. <laughs> just, I mean, it's just baseball. That's all you can say. <laughs> it sure is. But yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez was insane in this past week, and so was relief pitcher Camilo Duvall of the, new, uh, the uh, San Francisco Giants. Four games, four saves, only 3.2 innings pitch, which was kind of weird. Uh, he must have just come in in the ninth with one out, but um, a, a Ks per nine of 12.27, uh, struck out five in those 3.2 innings. Uh, obviously didn't give up a run. A Sierra at 321, a fantastic week when you go four for four on saves. One of my favorite non-Yankees, man. I love this guy. Yeah, Camilo Duvall is awesome. But... I think that's going to do it. Anybody that you feel that I might have missed? Um, trying to think of anybody that's done well. Uh, I don't No, I don't think so. All right. Well, let's get into this NFL news. We've got quite a few things to talk about. Kind of surprising with this being a, a pretty dull part of the season, but let's get it started. Uh, Warren Sharp tweeted out the most expensive wide receiver rooms in 2023. We're just going to highlight a couple of them to start the most expensive, the Cardinals at number one, primarily because of DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, I feel like it's not quite paying off. No, not at all, especially, you know, considering the fact that he wants to leave. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, it, it's funny because, like, the top, I don't know, I guess the top six haven't seen all that much success outside of, like, one of the team's and they're paying quite a bit. So the Cardinals by far have the most expensive by a $10 million margin over the Broncos at 43.7. That one obviously didn't work out. The Raiders at 43.4, not quite working out either. The only one kind of working out up there at the top is the Jags at 41.3. Then the Browns at five, the Buccaneers at six. Like none of those are really working. No, not at all. I, I guess you know. Name of the name of the game is uh, don't buy wide receivers. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so because uh, this one team they might have like you know this random guy nobody's ever heard of the Vikings. They have this guy named Justin Jefferson. Uh, he's still on his rookie deal, so the Vikings are twenty eighth on this list. Yeah, they'll probably be number one by the time they should be number one by the time he resigns because yeah. uh, he's ridiculous. Yeah, well, and there's also this team that's won a few Super Bowls and has the best quarterback in the league right now, the Chiefs. They're number twenty three on this list. They're only spending twenty one point seven million on their wide receivers. Wow. You don't Patrick Mahomes doesn't need him. <laughs> yeah, and then the two teams that are under ten million. Uh, aren't really a surprise. At number 32, dead last, is the Packers at $9.4 million, only because all of their wide receivers are on their rookie deals right now. And then yep. at 31, the Titans, because they refuse to sign fucking wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, it also doesn't help that all the Packers wide receivers play for the Jets now. So That's true. Uh, your Steelers are at number 13 with a $30.7 million wide receiver room, just ahead of the Jets. Yeah, and Deontay, Deon, or, um, Deontay Johnson, damn, couldn't say Deontay. He wants to make, like, big money, so this will probably jump up in, uh, whenever we look at it next season. Or we yeah. don't re-sign him, who knows? Yeah, I don't think he deserves it at the moment. Uh, yeah, hot take, but personally, I don't think he does either. Okay, I'm glad we're in agreement there. but yeah, I love him, but no. Nah. Interesting news here, the Colts, because they cut Matt Ryan earlier this offseason, they're going to have their sixth different opening uh, – or like opening weekend starting quarterback in the last six years. Wow. So who who are these guys? Would Andrew Luck be six years ago? Uh, so actually, uh, I think it was Scott Tolson started because Andrew Luck was hurt six years ago. And then you okay. had Luck, um, what, Rivers, Wentz, yeah. Matt Ryan, and then now it's either going to be Gardner Minshew, Anthony Richardson, or Sam Ellinger. Wow. Yeah. They need some stability there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's li- it's literally been ever since they've lost Peyton, they've kind of been scrambling at this position, which, I mean, Phillip Rivers took them to the playoffs, which wasn't that bad, but, I mean, they just haven't had consistency at all. Yeah, that, that's kind of been the problem. But let's talk uh, some of these schedule releases that, you know, it's not the full schedule, but we've gotten quite a few uh, games leaked, at least, or you know, some confirmed by the NFL. But uh, let's just kind of start from the season openers. Bears-Packers has been confirmed as a season opener. So Justin Fields will be visiting Green Bay to face Jordan Love in the first week of the season. Jets-Bills season opener on Monday Night Football. That one's going to be fantastic. Josh Allen versus Aaron Rodgers to get it started. Yes. Uh, Panthers versus Falcons as a season opener. I couldn't be happier. This is the matchup I want to watch this year. Okay. I love it. And then week four, we've got Falcons versus Jags at Wembley Stadium in London. And then the Jags become the first team to play two London games back-to-back as well as just in one season. And they face the Bills at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in week five uh, as well. In week five, we also get a Cowboys 49ers uh, NFC semifinal rematch. Okay. I love it. I, you know what's kind of weird? Well, something to think about. If you're an avid fantasy football player like I am, 
if you take the Jags players, right? Because there definitely, I think, would be a couple worthy J- uh, Jags players in fantasy football, like Etienne, maybe even Trevor Lawrence this year. Who knows? Evan Ingram. Hey, yeah, Evan Ingram. Pay attention week four, week five, because uh, you're going to have to be waking up early to make sure your lineups are good. And I know that probably I won't do that. So I thought that yeah. I would mention it on the podcast. <laughs> no, I definitely won't be up in time to catch that one, even though the game started like 930. Sunday. I don't want to be up that. I don't want to be up that early. Yeah, who does? <laughs> but um, week six, we've got Ravens Titans at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, week nine, Dolphins versus Chiefs in Frankfurt, and week ten, Colts versus Patriots in Frankfurt as well. Yeah, I can't wait for the Frankfurt games, man. The Germans, I don't know. They they seem to love the NFL. Yeah, and that's not Frankfurt, Kentucky. That is Germany. Yes, <laughs> but. We also have the first ever Black Friday game, 3 p.m. on Prime Video, Dolphins versus Jets. Fantastic matchup as long as Tua is healthy. But the interesting thing about this game is that it has to be at 3 p.m. because the Sports Broadcasting Act of 1961 protects college and high school football on Friday nights and Saturdays through mid-December. Interesting. Yeah, so... That would be why we don't see any of that like flex scheduling and Saturday scheduling until like mid, like late December into January. Okay. I, I yeah, I never really knew that, but it makes perfect sense actually thinking yeah, about it. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but a few more great games. Week 13, 49ers versus Eagles, an NFC championship rematch, maybe some redemption for Brock Purdy. And then Bengals versus Chiefs on New Year's Eve. And then we've also got two great Christmas Day games, part of a triple header, uh, Eagles versus Giants and Chiefs versus Raiders on Christmas. Oh, man, yeah, we got two division rivals on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's a big one. Damn, that, you know, that kind of sucks, though. Two rivals on Christmas. Well, I mean, the Steelers and the Ravens have played each other on a lot of Christmas days, too. I guess, you know, you got to put the Christmas magic aside sometimes. Yeah, you know, it happens. Yeah. But now that we're done with that, any of those that you prefer over any, any of those that are just the best matchup of the of the bunch? Oh, man. I, I'm going to be excited for the Black Friday game for sure. Uh, yep. That'll just be very cool. Uh, and probably Bengals Chiefs. New Year's Eve, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be, you know, good time, New Year's Eve, primetime football. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah, it, it really will be. But let's talk about the Browns. They're um, voting on a new dog logo. And I I don't know how I feel about these these options. Um, if you can't, if you haven't seen them, just look up like Browns dog logo finalists. Uh, it's five dog logos. I got to be honest. I can't take any of these serious except top left and bottom right. Uh, I, I Well, we agree on top left, but I like top left and to, uh, bottom left. Really? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that one looks a little too cartoony to me. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It, it still looks cool, though. I, yeah. I like the top the, of its head. The center looks like shit. You don't like the center? No. No, I think it looks ridiculous. Oh, like with all like the folds and stuff in the face. Yeah, it's like too intricate. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but hey, definitely top left though. That one's nice. Yeah, top left is solid. Top or, or bottom right gives me a little too much of like a UGA vibe. Yeah, but I still think it looks fantastic. Yeah, no. I, like I am a big too. fan of the barbed collar though. That's solid. Yeah, the collar's sick. 
but you know if we're if we're voting who are you voting for uh as far as the logos yeah probably top left okay yeah i think i'm gonna go top left as well all right well you heard it first so since we voted that the browns logo will be top left it'll probably be top left yeah no it'll probably be like the center because i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) that's your only reason yeah Um, all right the crime segment it always happens and i hate to do this one because this just sucks but jalen carter new uh what ninth tenth overall draft pick i'm blanking to the eagles it's ninth. ninth yeah ninth overall draft pick in this year's draft um here's he's facing a lawsuit stemming from the car crash that killed his former georgia teammate uh devin willock um looks like dave willock senior willock's father uh seeks 40 million dollars in the case filed tuesday against the school's athletic association and jalen carter and uh, I believe the estate of uh, Chandler LaCroix, the other person uh, that passed away in the car. And I believe they're also suing um, the yeah, Sarshion Auto Group, which provided Jalen Carter with a 2022 Jeep Cherokee Trackhawk and an NIL deal, which is the car that he drove during the, uh, the, the alleged racing that led to this death. Wow, and the strip club toppers. Yeah, that's that's an L. You can't be, you can't do that. <laughs> Not topper, uh, bro. I've walked that place, walked past that place many a times in Athens, and uh, maybe it should be sued. <laughs> no, I, I personally know people that go there. I, I actually don't. I've never been before. <laughs> I, I would love to go just to see what it's like. It's, it's a strip club. What else is there to do? Like, well, I've been to one before, and it was horrible. I'm sure this one's no better. Yeah, I can hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you can't. All you have, all, all you can do is experience it. it. That is true. You're you're in Athens this weekend. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe second and short fans can come see me at Toppers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll be performing. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll be one of them. <laughs> oh, but man. okay, aside from the joking, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, um, I, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I've been hearing a lot about it, you know, just because we're local. Um, a lot of WSB TV, like our Channel 2 Action News here, has been um, giving me stuff on my phone to look at with how this is progressing. And I think, like, right after, I knew that um, the family of Devin Willick was definitely going to sue, like, right after the accident happened. But now that, you know, it's all coming out, it's just uh, really unfortunate, you know, just a just an awful situation. Yeah, and like the lawsuit alleges that um, there was wrongful death, negligent hiring, and negligence uh, in this case, and uh, also alleged that Jalen Carter had a pattern of excessive driving that the car dealership should have taken into in under consideration after he received multiple speeding tickets. He was previously fined a thousand and thirteen dollars after being cited for going nearly ninety miles per hour in a forty-five. So. That's kind of why the car, uh, the like auto group, uh, is part of this, and then Toppers is where they were uh, before they left. Um, so yeah, this is just so insane. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, other side of it, Jalen Carter j- just probably wants to start his NFL career, and yeah, 
you know, this thing just keeps progressing and, and it just keeps getting worse. It, it's just awful. It's awful for the family of Devin Willick and um, uh, the, was her name? Sydney LaCroix, correct? Uh, Chandler. 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 Sorry. Chandler LaCroix. I mean, it's, it's terrible what their families are going through, but also, you know, the other side of it, Jalen Carter, I'm sure feels awful about all this, but yet he's still having to kind of deal with, uh, with a $40 million lawsuit. Yeah, this is unbelievable. It's crazy, but uh, let's move on. Uh, Todd Munkin was asked if Lamar Jackson is going to run the ball less. Todd Munkin started off his response with a good, uh, and then paused uh, and said that with more weapons around Lamar, the less he'll need to shoulder that burden, but he has a new, a unique trait, and you can't take that completely out of his toolbox because it's a huge weapon for him and for the offense. Uh, couldn't be said better. Yeah, I, I I would love for Lamar to use those weapons. Like it, it would genuinely suck if the Ravens were dead last and, again in targeting wide receivers with Odell and Zay Flowers. I, I hope that he throws the ball more, but he doesn't need to necessarily run the ball less. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Is like theoretically, the offense is just going to be better, so there will be more opportunities for him to run and more opportunities for him to pass. Exactly. But. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Todd Munkin handled this correctly. 100%. I love the uh, too. Yeah. It, it really made it genuine. Yes. But let's take a look back at the Saints and Eagles trade from 2022. So a uh, majority of this just being picks. Um, these picks have turned into the Saints getting Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, and Jordan Jackson. The Eagles turned their picks into... A.J. Brown, because they traded the pick they received from the Saints to the Titans. They got Jalen Carter as well from one of those picks and their 2024 second-round pick. I mean, the Saints got Chris Olave, but the Eagles won that trade. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. That's so crazy. And speaking of uh, crazy things happening to draft picks, uh, Malik Willis, who was a third-round pick last year, uh, appears to be the odd man out uh, on this quarterback's room in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, of course, you know, going to be on the roster. And then Will Levis is essentially confirmed that he's going to be on the team. With the Titans not being a team that typically keeps three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster, I'd be surprised if we don't see Malik Willis either get put on a practice squad or just get released. I think if he gets released, he'll definitely get picked up somewhere. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know he was he had opportunities to play last year and was awful in probably every single one of them. But like, I feel like with the potential he had coming into the NFL and how young he'll still be, if he does get released, he'll probably take the upside on him. Because he's still, I mean, I would argue he still maybe has one. Yeah, I think the Titans just have a problem with quarterbacks. Because it, it seems like like Tannehill has been you know relatively successful with them. He started with the Dolphins, and it just seems like all of the the solid quarterback play they've had in recent history is all players that they've gotten from elsewhere. Because like otherwise they had like Zach Mettenberger and guys like that. Like that they're guys that should have developed and just didn't. Yeah, I guess they're not really you know. A, a quarterback team, Vince Young, another guy. I think he was out of Texas and yeah. he was highly touted and never really ended up doing anything. I mean, Warren Moon is literally the only Titans quarterback I can think of that's like legendary. Yeah. 
It, it's crazy. He played in Houston, I think. Yeah, I believe <laughs> so. Boilers, so. But yeah, it's uh, kind of ridiculous there. Who knows? Maybe Will Levis is the guy to turn it around. <laughs> yeah, and um, let's talk about this real quick. This was this was like flooring when I saw this, but it appears that Patrick Mahomes might get paid again. Like he signed a ten-year contract just a few years ago, and you know now with these big deals, uh, you know Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, kind of getting a big jump on Patrick Mahomes. It, it looks like. Before this season starts, the Chiefs could rework some of this deal and make him once again the highest paid player in the league. If okay, I'm looking at it now. He currently earns uh, 45 million dollars annually. Lamar Jackson, or no, uh, Patrick Mahomes does. Yep. Lamar Jackson makes seven million dollars more now. Uh, he makes 50 million dollars per year. If Patrick Mahomes, uh, it, wait, hang on, sorry. If Lamar Jackson makes seven million dollars more than Patrick Mahomes right now at fifty two, Patrick Mahomes could get like sixty five. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a little high, but I, I think that the fifty five ball uh, ballpark is probably better. I I I would say even closer to sixty. I, I to be realistic, fifty seven. I, I think the difference here is that Lamar and Jalen Hurts both only got five year deals. Patrick Mahomes is on a 12-year deal. That is true. So it, it kind of changes things there. But uh, I would love for him to, to get the money because he deserves it. But the thing is, is for him, it's about kind of balancing like you know how much money he gets and, and just kind of getting a fair compensation, but also leaving enough money behind for them to put together a team and win more championships. That is a good point. Um, Patrick Mahomes kind of more so than a lot of other quarterbacks kind of comes off that way to me. And I think he's done that before, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Or he's either taken pay cuts or like done something to try to get other guys more money. Like uh, maybe it was something like targeting a guy that was close to hitting a uh, contract thing, like receptions or something like that. I don't really remember. But Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he, he deserves the money, but he'll probably be humble and leave guys uh, – leave money for um for the Chiefs to build around them. Yeah, and, and let's keep it in the AFC West because the Chargers just, I don't fucking know what's going on, man. The Chargers GM Tom Telesco said that nothing has changed with Austin Eckler and there is still no interest in trading him. So he's a hostage. Sounds like it. <laughs> I, I don't, they just need to take away all their cell phones, man. Every time they speak publicly, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's them and the Colts. Yeah. Them and the Colts just need to stop talking. Uh, hate it. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like Austin Eckler just needs to leave at this point. Like, it's it's becoming a problem. Yeah, like, I, when it first came out, you know, I thought maybe they would have a chance because it, it could have been just leverage whenever it first came out with Austin Eckler. But now at this point, like, they've just handled everything so poorly you know they're they're completely fine on where they are with herbert even though you know he's going to be a free agent soon it's just a bunch of clowns over there (laughs) yeah for real uh but a a fantastic story uh coming from tight end foster moreau so uh earlier this offseason he was working out with the saints um to see you know uh, i think he was just doing like his uh, medical examinations and got um they found that he had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, the Saints doctors did, so he's been getting it treated, and now uh, he has a positive diagnosis on his recovery, 
and plans to play in 2023 and could be cleared to participate as soon as next week, but the doctors might play it slow. Still uh, an insanely, insanely um, just inspiring turnaround for Foster Moreau, and the Saints did sign him to a three-year, $12 million deal. Yeah, and the the $8 million guaranteed, I mean, it's just W for the Saints, really. Yeah, and, and a W for Foster Moreau. What an incredible story. Yeah, I I would love to see him in 2023, man. Yeah, dude, he's gonna have a, a little extra fight in him. Isn't he? Uh, isn't he coming? Uh, with Derek Carr, wasn't he with the Raiders yeah. last year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's even more of a big deal for him. That's awesome. He gets to keep his quarterback too. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to the Champions League, I want to ask you this question: Who is your favorite? You know, quote unquote, bad oh. player in NFL of all time. Easy, easy. Okay. Uh, Josh Norman. W- was he bad though? Oh, you mean okay? Not like not angry, like, like not like an player. not like a uh, like Ooh. an evil guy or like you know a, a, yeah, yeah. a villain. Okay. Just somebody who was just you know bad. Oh man, that's ah uh, it. I'm damn. Good question. Who do you think? I, I'm you still kind of thinking because, like, like I, I think Vic Beasley is like a weird one because, like, he had a good season, but everything yeah. else sucked. But I, I don't know. Like, there's like some, like I, I love Olamide Zacchaeus, and he's definitely not like a good player at all. Doesn't yeah. play for us anymore, which kind of sucks. But I have one. Okay. Kenny Galladay. He mm. was absolutely sick on the Lions. I, I absolutely loved him. I thought he was so underrated. And then he comes to New York and just like, I mean, just his hands fell off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's out there playing, you know, with just his wrists, it looks like. It, it's uh, horrible. It's brutal to watch him now. But he had, you know, he had that big build and the speed. Oh, man. He was so nasty to watch and then just completely fell off. Yeah, that that's true. Kenny Galladay's a great pick. And I, I guess like he technically is still my favorite bad player because like I, I still pull for him, honestly. I mean he is a meme and it's fun to joke, but like that'd be so cool if he could somehow rekindle that um that Lions Kenny Galladay. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right. Anything else in the NFL before we move on? Um, not that I can think of. All right. Well let's talk Champions League. We'll start it off. Real Madrid won. Man City won. Goals coming from Vinicius Jr. in the 36th and Kevin De Bruyne in the 67th. What are your thoughts here? I, I'm surprised it ended 1-1. <laughs> yeah. That, that'd definitely be my first thought. Um, Real Madrid, you know, and, and their attack, in my opinion, they looked like they had more bite. Like, more of Real Madrid's chances were kind of like taking the crowd's breath away. Like, you could hear their shots, you know, like the – the groans and the moans of uh, the, the Bernabeu, which maybe that's because it was a home game for them, but um, they, they just, they, their attack had more bite than city, but city still, I mean, still kept up with them in shots and really just kind of, I guess, total offensive production, but yeah, Real Madrid just looked a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, exactly. I think that a big part of that was Vinicius Jr.'s play. He played fantastic as well as Tony Cruz in the middle. They both played very well. And, how can we not commend Eduardo Camavinga? Like, oh my God, has he become like one of the best left backs in the world? 
Yeah, again, he's becoming like the the soccer sauce gardener of you and I. I mean, like, <laughs> just, just can't stop talking about Dude, this guy. He like he's picking up assists and yeah, like <laughs> saw like four or five tackles. One picked up an interception. Like it's crazy. And you know his age too. Yeah, it's twenty just, years he, old. Yeah, 20 years old. Um, he turned uh, 20 in no- on November 10th, actually. I'm looking at it right now. And, I mean, just does not feel the pressure of playing for Real Madrid and shows up and does his job every single time they play. Yeah, yeah, he really does. Um, let me see another thing. Uh, Vinicius Jr., his goal was ridiculous. So is De Bruyne's. Uh, De Bruyne, yeah. again, proving that he is you know, still a long-shot midfielder. He's not just your passer. Um, dang, I mean, what else? I, you could definitely tell that it was the two best teams in the world Yeah, on the pitch. What I was most surprised by was Manchester City not making a single substitution. Oh, yeah, you're right. That, that was kind that. of mind-boggling because, like, I, I guess with this lineup, the only person I can even think of subbing on would be, like, Phil Foden for Grealish, but Grealish played pretty well. And I don't know, like... Honestly, Erling Holland didn't look fantastic. He wasn't getting a ton of looks, but like only three shots for him. I uh, maybe you could have brought in Alvarez late in the game, like you know, seventieth, seventy-five minutes in, bring him in for Holland. But you know, it, it's kind of hard to take Holland off the pitch. A hundred percent. Real Madrid really did an underrated job with him. I think you know he's yeah. Erling Holland has probably been the best player in the world. It feels like the past two weeks, and Real Madrid just completely shut him down at the Bernabeu. Um, and, and that's exactly kind of what I was saying that they needed to do is if you shut down Holland and you don't let City score very early on, the game will usually go in your favor. But you know, with this ending in a 1-1 draw in the first leg, especially for it being in Madrid, I felt like Madrid kind of lost out on an opportunity to pull away in this game. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that Man City did a great job of just controlling the possession, making accurate passes, like 91% on accurate passes, and they had 512 of them. And, you know, I, I think they just did a, a great job of holding the possession, really keeping it in their half of the field as well which was kind of interesting. Um, I watched a little bit of this one. It seemed like a lot of the play was in like the, the middle third of the field. And then they just kind of shoot up front quickly, try and get something to happen. And I think that's kind of what happened with De Bruyne's goal as well. Like play it around in the mid a little bit, you know, pass back between Rodri and, and Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Ilkay Gunahan, and then just kind of build up. And I think they did a great job of it because, you know, they can play counterattacking, but with like Akanji playing, essentially having to play wide as in this three center back formation, you can't really get much going on up the left. But on the right, like I, I was kind of surprised to not see as much like counter attacking from Man City. Yeah, uh, and another underrated thing about Manchester City is is their defense isn't that bad either. You know, everybody talks about Holland and De Bruyne and Gundogan, Grealish, and how well that they all work together and feeding Holland the ball, and it's just goal. It's it's goals galore over there. But their defense also did a really good job against another really good offense in Real Madrid. Yeah, uh, I think they just they match up well against just about anybody. Because like Kyle Walker with the mixture of speed and physicality is so good, especially in a three-center back formation where he kind of gets to float inside the box but can play out wide because John Stones can drop back. 
it works out very well and kind of the same for Akanji could get out wide. He's a pretty fast center back when it comes down to it. And Rodri as well could kind of float out to the, like the wing where, where Akanji can move back into the box to defend the cross their defense along with their defensive midfielders. It works so well and they play off each other very well. I, I'm telling you, man, the Guardiola just, he just impresses me all the time. Moving John Stones to center mid literally has, I think, been one of the biggest reasons where they have um, kind of been able, because I, I remember, um, you know, after January, Manchester City was kind of slowing down and it looked like Arsenal might pull away. They make this change and now they're, you know, probably the best team in the world. <laughs> it's it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I love it. But Anything else you've got here before we talk about uh, Milan versus Milan? Uh, we need to predict the second leg. Oh, of course. Okay. I don't know, man. I like what I've seen from Man City, and it's going to be at home. Yeah, I, uh, man, I think it'll be 2-1 City. I think they're going to win, like, uh, are you saying on aggregate? Uh, no, I think okay, the, okay. the game will be 2-1. Okay. Uh, man, this is tough. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two nil city at the Etihad. Wow, holding Real Madrid to a clean sheet. Yes, yes. Vinny can't do it every game. <laughs> no, he cannot. But Benzema, Benzema had an off game this game. I think he'll be on against uh or in uh, Manchester. We'll see. But let's talk Inter Milan versus AC Milan. Obviously at the San Siro, because where else would they play? 2-0 for Inter, and they only scored in the first 11 minutes. Yeah, um, Inter just, I mean, couldn't have had a better start. They came out and completely had AC Milan just way off guard. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, Edin Dzeko, and, oh my god, that goal was ridiculous. The strength that he had to hold off Davide Calabria, who is AC Milan's captain and is a brilliant defender in his own right. I mean, made Calabria look like a fucking children's toy out there. And the focus that he had to like, I mean, if you watch Jekko on the corner kick or the cross or whatever it was, I can't really remember. The eyes are never off the ball, no matter what Calabria does, no matter how hard Calabria is pushing on him. The eyes are always on the ball. And then he like wraps his left leg around like Calabria's abs and gets this amazing touch into the top right corner. I mean, he, Dzeko just proving to everybody that he can still play. Yeah, and remind me, I can't remember. Was Dzeko's from outside the box or inside the box? Inside. Okay, because Mkhitaryan scored a, a beautiful, I think it was on a volley as well, like a, a cross outside of the box, like just outside, and just shot it like super hard, straight at... um at uh, Mike uh, Magnan and just went right past him. I, so I, I thought Mkhitaryan's goal, I, I just watched it. it. It was like he dribbled, he caught like a volley, and but he like dribbled inside the box. Was it? And one of the Milan defenders slipped and it like left Mkhitaryan just open. Maybe that's what I was thinking. I can't quite yeah. remember. There was a Chanaloglu shot though that I wanted to talk about. I mean, this shit was like from 30 yards out. Just... I, and I mean, it was like in the 13th minute. It looked like Inter was about to go up uh, 3-0, but the post ended up saving Milan. Chanaloglu's got a rocket foot. Oh, yeah. He's a big long shot guy. 
Yeah, big free kick guy, big long shot guy, and a former Rossinieri uh, member who, you know, he's played for AC Milan before. And he has, you know, I, I remember in the media, he has talked mega shit about AC Milan. So only yes. fitting that he played for their rival. <laughs> yeah, and just such, such a fantastic environment, man. Like I saw like the CBS Sports Golasso crew talking with like Paolo Maldini oh, uh, yeah. before and after this game is fantastic stuff. Yeah, and not only that, man, the Tifos before the game. I mean, you knew it was coming, but it's just always an amazing sight to see the Milan Derby in the San Siro. It's just fantastic. Yeah, uh, I couldn't be more happy with it. Um, I, You know, it seems like Inter dominated this, but I feel like it was just early success, and then everybody just kind of played their game for the rest of the match. It, it seemed like AC Milan just could not get it going. That was exactly what I saw. I mean, AC Milan definitely had their fair share of attacking chances, um, especially, you know, well, unfortunately, I guess would be the right word, after they went 2-0 down. But it was just kind of like the game settled. You know, it became like a 50-50 sort of counterattack game between the two teams. Um, Still really fun to watch, even though there wasn't any goals for, you know, like 80 minutes of the game. But uh, one thing that I wanted to highlight is, not having Rafael Leal really, really hurt Milan's attack. Of course, I just mentioned that they were still kind of effective in getting some chances, but Leal, man, you and I both know, Grayson, that he's just been absolutely brilliant for them, and he needs to be on the pitch in the second leg if Milan want to win. Oh, uh, certainly. I, I don't understand how he wasn't on the pitch. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I, I think it actually may have been injury-related. Was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was out, so... That that is why, but yeah, yeah. Second second leg, he's got to be there. Yeah, and Brahim Diaz was the fill in for him, the uh, the loney from Real Madrid, who definitely has shown effectiveness with AC Milan. Is and is kind of another reason off the bench that you know AC Milan have been able to make this comeback in the world as far as you know them becoming AC Milan again. But you know he's not Rafael Leao, and Leao is playing like one of the best wingers in the entire world right now. So um, that really hurt AC Milan. And another thing I wanted to highlight, Grayson, Stefano um, Pioli, AC Milan's manager. Did you see the T-shirt that he was wearing for this game? No, I did not. It was the off-white AC Milan collab. Ooh. Yeah. And I was like, I I mean, it makes sense, you know, being in Milan to, you know, wear like a designer, you know, shirt. But like, wow, it it was just so sick to see. Yeah, it's just such a, a fantastic rivalry. Yeah, and it's it's a bummer that, you know, this is one of the last games we'll see between the two in the in this awesome stadium. Yeah, I, I wish, like, it's crazy. So are they getting separate stadiums? Or are they going to continue playing at the same one? I think they might be playing at the same one, but I actually don't know for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, I I would love to see because, like, dude, it, it's an old stadium. It holds 75,000 people. And it's just, it's an absolute, like, it's a historic landmark uh, of soccer. Yeah, it's a it's a temple of soccer for sure. And it's very unique looking. Like, I, I don't know if you can picture what it looks like right now, but the, the stairs on the outside, like the, the twist stairs, yeah, very, very interesting. You don't ever see a lot of stadiums really in the entire world of any sport have something like that. So it's just an amazing sight to behold. It really is, but... Let's talk second leg. I feel like it'd be pretty easy to just say Inter's going to hold on to it. It would be, but, you know, it's a rivalry, and it's a rivalry that, you know, amazing things have happened, and 
Maybe it's just because I'm a little bit Rossinieri biased, but I think it's setting up for an amazing story for AC Milan. I don't know, man. If Inter lines up like they did in the sec, like in this first leg, if they do this in the second leg, I think it's going to be hard to stop them. Like just looking at this lineup with Demarco and Dumfries at like wing back and letting them get so far up the pitch and really utilize their speed, and then. Just the the strong playmaking and attacking prowess of this midfield with Barella and Chalon Lu and Mkhitaryan. Like, I don't know. It's really hard to beat. It, it is going to be really hard to beat. But, I mean, if anybody can do it, it's it's their arch enemy, the one that knows them the best. I'm going to go 3-1 AC Milan. All right. I'm going to go. So you think they're going to go to to penalties? Yeah. Ah, who, who's going to win it then? AC Milan. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one-one. Inter. They hold on to get the win. So you're predicting a Inter Manchester City final? Sure am. Damn, that, that would be pretty crazy. Inter, I'm gonna be honest. I I kind of I kind of want to see Manchester City win the treble. Really? Yeah. Nah. I, I kind of do. <laughs> I think it'd be funny if they won the prem over fucking Arsenal, but that's about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yep. let's talk Premier League weekend. We've got some yeah. some solid matches this weekend, some just important matches in general. Let's start with Leeds versus Newcastle. Obviously, Leeds needs all the fucking points they can get because they sit at 30 right now in 19th place. It, like they, it seems it's like they're done. Like it seems like they're on their last leg. Yeah, and they were a team that, you know, I, probably in January, if you would have asked me, I would have told you, no, they're they're not going to get relegated. But they have just, like, completely had the wind from their sails just stripped from them. And um, t- they're playing against one of the hottest teams in the Premier League right now. So I, it's not looking too good for Leeds at all. Yeah, like, it's just been brutal. Like, they, they haven't won since March 18th against the Wolves. And it just doesn't seem like they're going to continue. Like they, yeah, like you said, they've got Newcastle, and you know Newcastle kind of needs these points right now. Only two points ahead of Manchester United, they would love to hold third place, and I think they deserve it personally. I think Newcastle's played so well throughout the season, and watching them play is so amazing. And with Manchester United on a bit of a skid right now, with two straight one 0 losses, Newcastle needs to capitalize on this opportunity. Absolutely. And, you know, they, to your point, I definitely agree with you. Newcastle 100% deserves it. It's so cool to see them, you know, out of any kind of a mid table team do well. Um, you know, they have a great fan base. Uh, the Toons, the Toon Squad is just, uh, it, it's been, in, you know, out in full fledged this season. And uh, defense is probably the best in the league, I would say. One of the best in Europe. And they're, they're just an amazing team. Yeah. So um, let's go ahead and get score predictions. Uh, two nil Newcastle. All right, I'm gonna go three one Newcastle, mainly because Newcastle hasn't kept a clean sheet in seven matches. Yeah, well, if they can do it, it'll be against Leeds. That's true. But um, a couple, a, a sort of some news to come out of this game or come out of one of the teams. I think Tyler Adams might sign for AC Milan. Really. Yeah, I've been seeing a little bit of that on my feeds on Instagram and stuff. Dude, I can't wait for this transfer window, for us to be covering the transfer window. Oh, I actually haven't even thought about that. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. 
What do you think happens with Weston McKinney? Because he's on loan, correct, from Juventus? Yes. So when he returns, do, do you think they ship him off again? Do you think he transfers somewhere? Because it doesn't look That's like he's going to stay in Leeds. Uh, yeah, it, it, he's just, you know, hadn't really been that good for Leeds, I don't really think. Um, not as good as, you know, as they want him to be. I could see him staying at Juve. I really don't know how he feels about Juventus. I haven't heard what his thoughts are. Because, like, I've heard that Jao Felix wants to play for Chelsea permanently. Yeah. In the case of Weston McKinney being on loan, I really haven't heard how he feels about Leeds or Juventus. Yeah, I feel like if I'm Juventus, I haven't seen enough from him at Leeds to say, like, yeah, we want this guy back in playing. Yeah, I haven't either, but at Juventus, I remember him being kind of decent yeah. over there. So maybe, I don't know, it, it, it'd be kind of weird to to be in Juventus' shoes right now because he's played well for you, and then you ship him off um, out on loan to a team that's worse, maybe kind of hoping he can carry them a little bit, but that, that hasn't happened at all. So I don't know. It puts Juve in an interesting position, I think. Yeah, it sure does, but... Let's talk Villa versus Spurs. This one, a, a relatively big matchup here. Um, Villa sits in eighth with 54 points, but a win over Spurs would tie them on points. Most likely, they won't take over uh, or um, surpass them in the rankings just because Tottenham's goal differential right now is four goals better. So it would be pretty tough. But, you know, a, a 2 0 win, uh, I believe, would give Aston Villa. The uh, advantage there. So Aston Villa, though they're on, you know, a, a pretty bad two straight losses, but one to Manchester United, which you know you can kind of excuse, but a loss to Wolves is brutal. Yeah, um, but Tottenham have kind of been in the same spot. You know that brutal loss to Liverpool, where um, Tottenham made the comeback and then lost the comeback. Uh, of course, they're coming off of the one nil win over Crystal Palace, got the clean sheet there. But it's against Crystal Palace, so. I, I don't know. I, I kind of I'm leaning towards Aston Villa on this one, Grayson. I am as well. I just need to see them score goals. Yeah, and, and shit. I mean, we need to see Tottenham score goals too. I, I know I just said that you know that crazy comeback against Liverpool where Tottenham ended up scoring three, but really aside from that, it's, they've kind of had a dud offense, even though or despite the fact they have Son and Harry Kane. Yeah, it, it's crazy with how like. It seems like their offense has been so bad, but they're fifth in goals scored per match with 1.8 this season. Oh, dang, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I know, right? Like They have 64 goals for, which is one of the best in the league. Wow, maybe it's kind of a case of like, uh, that was, you know, that was beginning of the season. Yeah. The second half is just going to be completely different for them. I think it definitely has. uh, No, I I think... um, it, this is an interesting game, you know, because Tottenham have slipped all the way to sixth, and look, they're looking like they could use uh, or lose European football um, here too, which is kind of crazy yeah. to think about. I, I like, I, like I said, I like Aston Villa. Yeah, I do as well. I'm going to take Aston Villa. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go for a one-one draw. One-one draw. I feel like we don't predict draws enough, and they happen rather often. That is, yeah, that is true. We're we're American, so we can't understand draw. That's fair. Um, I'm gonna go two one Villa. All right. Well, let's talk Arsenal versus Brighton. I I, I think this matchup is huge, uh, pr- particularly for Arsenal. But Brighton, if they get the win, 
Um, they could surpass Spurs if Spurs doesn't get three points. So this is a big one. Obviously, Brighton coming off of a atrocious performance on Monday against Everton. They lost 5-1. But Arsenal, you know, though they're they're getting back, they, you know, two straight wins over uh, Chelsea and Newcastle, respectively. It's big for Arsenal here. You know, with Manchester City having a game in hand and they're playing Everton, I, like Arsenal has to win every single match from here on out if they want a chance. Yeah, and they're, you know, like you said, coming uh, playing a Brighton team that's coming off of a brutal loss to Everton, but this Brighton team has shown heart and fight all season long. So there's no doubt that I think that they'll bounce back and raise uh, uh, raise themselves to the occasion for Arsenal because, they're, I don't know, they're I just love the mentality they have over there in Brighton. They, they've shown it all year long. They are a tough team that, you know, can, can bounce back from losses for sure. Yeah, I, I think they've done a, a phenomenal job. And just watching them this season, they, they play fun soccer. Yeah, they, they really do. Um, and, you know, th- this is going to be a fun game. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. But, you know, from Arsenal, I just I, I need to see more from like the stars. Yeah, I, I agree is they, you know, they kind of I feel like have settled too much into being a team kind of team if that makes sense like where the goals are coming from everywhere you know it's not just one guy in arsenal but the other side of that is you would like to see your stars step up which is the point you just made so yeah i can definitely agree with you there yeah i'm you know i'm kind of hoping that arsenal wins because i want this race to be very tight at the top uh you know no matter who it is but man i don't know this is a tough one yeah, this is going to be a tough game against Brighton. Um, I, I could definitely see a draw out of this game. I, I definitely could. I think, uh, you know, Arsenal is very good away this season. They're they're the number one team in the Prem. Um, oh wait, why why is that stat even showing? They're at home. Whatever. They're they're still ranked third at home this season, so I don't really care. But yeah, I, I don't know. Arsenal just they score goals, and they're they're essentially always going to be good for two goals. Brighton, pretty close to that as well. I, I think, yeah, I'll go 2-2 draw. I'm going to go 3-2 Arsenal. All right. Well, anything else for the Prem this weekend that you want to look for? Um, No, I, I think we're good. All right. Well, how, how's Chelsea going to do this weekend? Are they playing Nottingham Forest? Uh, Nottingham Forest sounds right. Let me check one more yeah, time. Yeah, they are. Nottingham Forest. Well... I don't know. They they are coming off of uh, the 3-1 against Bournemouth. Pretty yeah. pretty solid result there. <laughs> hey, look, you guys have avoided relegation, so. Yeah, uh, solid results. all that matters. Yeah, it's just, yeah, we don't get a lot of solid results, so I can celebrate the 3-1s over Bournemouth this year. So, I don't know. I, I think Nottingham Forest will keep it a little bit closer. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. Okay, I like it. All right. Let's get to this top three, bottom three MLB jerseys. Let's do it. I'm I'm excited for this one, man. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. So I've got, and we're doing this all uh, based off of jerseys that teams are wearing this season. So um, no, like insane throwbacks, anything like that. Uh, none of those count. Just jerseys that will be or are being worn this season. I got the top three first pick. Luke's got the bottom three first pick. As always, we start at the top, and it, it's a tough one. There's a lot of jerseys that I'd love to take number one, but I, I just, I personally have 
a bit of a soft spot in my heart for this Miami Marlins City Connect jersey, so I got to take it. Is that the red one? Yeah. Ah, uh, man, you you took one of mine. <laughs> I love it, dude. It, it's so great. Red, white pinstripes, the, yeah. the Miami, like almost like Miami Vice colorway on the script, and it's an yeah. ode to the Sugar Kings. Like, I absolutely love it. And the patch on the sleeve is awesome. Yeah, the, the Miami Vice colorway, just in general, like the Heat jerseys are nice, yeah. too. Yep. Um, For my first pick, I'm going to go kind of with a simple one here, and it's a team that my team is rivals with. Give me the Orioles black uniform. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I love how that orange and black works out. It's better than the Bengals by far, in my opinion. All right. My number two on the top, I'm going to go Phillies powder blue. Oh, I know yeah. I've taken two NL East teams, but Philly's powder blue is the best of the powder blues with like the red and white stripe down the shoulders and like yeah. the, the kind of like curvy P logo. I, I think it looks fantastic. It reminds me of Mike Schmidt. Yes. And for my next pick, shout out to my family on the south side of Chicago. My White Sox fans. Give me the south side jersey. Love, love, love that jersey. Yes. Oh, man. I got a couple here that I really like, but I might have to leave a couple of them for honorable mentions. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Devil Rays throwback home uniform. Ah, okay. So good. Like the gradient color on the Devil Rays script with the ray under it. Like the hat has a great logo. I actually wore the hat that has that logo on it today for their inaugural (laughs) season version. Um, I love it. That's a sick hack, by the way. It I is. like that. Thank you. Um, all right. For my last pick, top three, give me the San Diego City Connect jersey. It's like it's like okay. Miami Vice, but with like a California spin on it. I like it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like here and there with that Padres jersey. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. What does it depend on? I don't know. I, I really don't know what it is about it. There's just like some days I look at it. I'm like, yeah, that's like a, a, a pretty cool jersey. And some days I look at it. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's a little too much. Yeah, I, I will say it does look better in the nighttime, which is why I asked you that question. Interesting. Yeah. So next time you're watching a Padres game that's at nighttime, pay attention. <laughs> All right. Well, that rounds out our top three. Yeah. Do you want uh, to? Wanna... Yeah, let's do now? the top three honorable mentions now. Oh, oh, I meant to take this one first and swap it for the Orioles. Okay, well. It's too bad. The Houston Astros Space City. I don't like it. Really? I think yeah. it's so sick. I think it's just kind of eh. Like, it's kind of boring. I, I don't know. Like, that. the whole, like, spacey kind of font is just very unique on a jersey, and I really like how it looks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, some of my honorable mentions, I love the Washington National City Connect with the cherry blossoms. I think that one's awesome. Um, Solid. And, like, like the hat is great. With like, the W with the cherry blossoms around it. Everything about it. I love that jersey. Um, I also love the Mariners alternate home uniform. I think that one is awesome. It's, like, the cream with the, yeah. the lighter blue hat. I love it. That one's good, too. A um, couple ones that I have. The Braves throwback. The white and the blue. Absolutely love that one. Um the Brew Crew jerseys, uh, kind of an out there one, but it's just super sick to me. And then kind of like a minimal one. It, it, there's not a lot to this jersey, but it's one of my favorites. The Twin Cities jerseys from the um, from the Twins. Yeah, I like that one as well. And then my last one, uh, the White Sox throwback home uniform with the red and blue stripe that says Sox. 
I think that's a classic one. That one's a good one, too. All right. Well, Luke, you started off on the bottom three. Let's hear it. Tiger's home jersey. Ugh. Just, <laughs> uh, just nasty. I, I don't know. It's just, well, it's not really nasty. It's just a meh jersey. Just too plain. All right. Well, I'll, I'll uh, meet you with that one. The Yankees home jersey. White pinch, the white with the pinstripes. I think it's boring. It's 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 overplayed at this point. Bro, that is that's history out there on the diamond, man. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I think okay. it's boring. Like there's nothing cool about it. The logo's boring. It's always been the same. Like, I just there, there's no reason for anybody to say that this jersey is like beautiful. Like there's nothing about it that is eye catching. I don't know. I, Twenty-seven World Series definitely would catch my eye. Oh come on! Don't fucking pull that card. <laughs> oh man! When was your last one? Time. When was I your was, last it, one? Two thousand nine. It's been a right. while. <laughs> Bitch. Uh, <laughs> my my number two definitely could have been my first one. The Oakland A's yellow alternate jersey. Terrible. Yeah, I, I agree. Terrible. <laughs> uh, I got to go with the Giants City Connect. I hate it. I hate it so much. It, it sucks. It, it's just a white jersey with like this gradient white to orange G. And then it's got the gradient white to orange like uh, Golden Gate Bridge. It's supposed to be like cloudy and foggy. I, I think it looks like shit. All right. I like it. Um, The Padres home jersey. They can't pull off the pinstripes like we can. Okay. Just man. Well, I actually I think with this last one, I'm going to have to go with the Padres as well, and it's the digital camo. I think it looks like shit. I hate digital camo jerseys. Really? Yeah, I'm just not a fan. Interesting. Um, my honorable mention is the Texas Rangers City Connect. Mm. Just, yeah, I don't it, like that one. Like... I like the off-white, like the cream, but the TX just kind of looks meh, and like the font of it's kind of shit, and the number font is shit. I just, I don't know. It's just kind of a meh jersey. Yeah, my I got two honorable mentions here. The Braves City Connect jersey. I'm not a huge fan. I like the hat. I don't like the, the A logo. I think it's, it's shit. Okay. Because look, when I think of a Braves jersey, I don't think of the A emblem standalone on the jersey i think of the script and it, it i think in my personal opinion it's got to be that way you either need the atlanta script with the tomahawk or the brave script with the tomahawk that's the only way it should be i think it would have been cool if the braves did like a, a atlanta united slash like atlanta hawk like peach one like a peach tree jersey dude that's I what i'm saying i think peach was the easiest way they could have gone with that jersey and they could have made it great but I will say I, I do like the City Connect though. I don't know. I like the hat. I, I think it's but cool. I don't really like the A. I think that's dumb. Yeah, I gotcha. But my other one is the this one's a, probably a controversial one as well as my Yankees pinstripes one is the Mets black uniforms. I'm not Ooh, a fan. Really? I don't like them. I, I'm not a fan of black uniforms in general, uh, especially black hat, black jersey. But anything that's like a primarily like all the colors are dark. I think when there's like very light colors that pop off of a black jersey, that's fine. But like they use like the darker blue with it and it, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I, I kind of see that. Like even the orange that they use is kind of like a darker orange too. Yeah. I feel like even. 
So I, I see that, but I still think it looks nice. Also, I just hate the Mets. Yeah, fuck the Mets. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it. Yeah, a little bit of a shorter one this yeah, time. Yeah, we, we flew through this. I thought we were for sure going to hit like two hours, but... <laughs> Nah, we 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 did it all, and um, yeah, that was awesome. But once again, I remind everybody: make sure you are following us on all of our social media, following us on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, make sure you're giving a five star review, everything like that. Keep supporting the pod because we're we're really appreciated, and uh, you guys are definitely keeping us going. It's been a fantastic last uh, you know couple of months with the draft and everything going on, uh, and we really appreciate the support. 100%. And like Grayson said at the beginning of the episode, I just wanted to remind y'all, stay tuned to the socials again. Make sure make sure y'all are locked in because uh, we got something big in the works. Indeed we do. And next Tuesday should be, I, I can't fully confirm this, the return of Brock to the podcast. Hell yeah. We, we can only hope, man. <laughs> he should be. He, he's told me that that's the target date, so... Hopefully we will be getting a full Brock episode, but that's going to do it for us, everybody. Uh, once again, follow the socials, follow everything, and join that subreddit as well. It's in the, the podcast description. Take a look. Go join the subreddit. I want to get that thing popping. So um, yep. give us some ideas. Grayson and I are always talking, you know, like we're always trying to, you know, give like new segments to y'all and stuff like that. But it, it would honestly be better if it came from you guys. the fans, Exactly. So. We want to hear from the community, but Luke, anything else you've got for the people? I think we can get out of here, man. All right. Let's do it. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Peace.